every business has a customer acquisition secret. There's generally going to be sort of one thing that just really works in acquiring customers and you have to figure out what that is. In practice, what I've found is that there will be one or two channels that just really work well. That means that you can do everything. You can do content marketing, you do paid advertising, you can go to events, you can do press, you can do on and on and on. But only one of them is really going to move the dial. If you had a magic wand and could transform one thing about your business, what would it be? Would you perfect your product or transform your team? Maybe you'd uncover the ideal acquisition channel. The thing is, we don't have magic wands to help solve our problems, or at least I don't. But the good news is that there is a proven way to generate more leads, acquire new customers, and grow your business by leaps and bounds. Our guest today is Dan Karen, and he's an expert in identifying customer acquisition channels, crafting engaging copy, and designing landing pages that convert visitors into customers. In this episode, we dive deep into all of these topics and tie everything back to the critical importance a landing page plays in your business. While I can't give you a magic wand, the insights Dan shares come close. And as a special bonus for our listeners, we also have a video of Dan analyzing a landing page that embodies excellence in all areas from copy, color design, opt-in forms, and more. You can find this bonus video in the show notes at subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 109. So let's get to it. I'm your host, Eric Turnison, and this is the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey, Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, it's really exciting to have you on. Leading up to this call with you, I was reflecting on the first time that we met, which was back in uh, New York City. I think it was around 2010. And I have this very specific memory of being on the phone with you, crossing a busy intersection (laughs) while you're talking to me about technical issues you're having with the member mouse platform at that point. It, It made me reflect on how how generous and patient you were in those early days of Member Mouse. I mean, that was, you were basically one of the first five customers of Member Mouse and you were on version like 0.5 or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For some reason I trusted you. I I thought, you know, I I think that this guy, he seems really, really sharp and he seems open to building a really great product. You could be trusted, relied upon, and you were a great, you are a great architect. And uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I've been thrilled with Member Mouse. And it, even today, I was just thinking about another site that I want to put onto Member Mouse. So, you know, kudos to you, really. Well, I appreciate it. And, and I also want to get into uh, your contribution because I think it's related to our conversation. And I have that on a, a set of questions that I want to get into. But um, so what we're going to do uh, is you are an expert in landing pages, among other things. And this is the thing I really want to pick your brain on today. Before we get into that, would you mind helping people um, understand a little bit about your background? Yeah, yeah. Well, I am 36 now, and I started building websites when I was 15. So it's roughly 20 years. And I was given a course, actually, by my health teacher in high school. She had ordered a course by Corey Rudel. It was called Internet Marketing Secrets, and I was maybe 15 or 16. And she said, you know, I bought this course on an infomercial, 
and I, I don't really, I'm not really into this internet stuff, but you, you know, you build websites and maybe it can help you. And that, that course, which some of the old guard of internet marketers will refer to, um, as, as sort of a, a, a landmark course. And that course really changed my life. It, it was an adaptation of old school direct response principles for the internet. And it taught me what copywriting was and how to craft a sales message and how to craft compelling headlines. And I, you know, as a young kid, I thought, you know, this is, this is interesting. This is, seems to be, it seems to make sense to me that the internet is, is expanding and it's growing and there's all this hype about the internet. And back in those days, everyone was coming to me asking me to build a website for them. It was the early days of, of the, of the web. And those, those skills, that first course sort of set me on this path of becoming a copywriter and a marketer. And I ended up going to, to school for computer science, entrepreneurship and marketing and built a few businesses, um, into seven figures on the web. Uh, my last latest startup is in healthcare. Uh, it has about a roughly a $35 million valuation. We just closed a series a, uh, $7 million. And, you know, really, uh, I've, I've just been, been building internet companies since I was young and part of being successful really is knowing how to articulate yourself and your value proposition and to do so in a, in a really compelling way. So, you know, I, I, I really enjoy it. I find that articulation and communication is so critical in business when you're trying to sell a product or a service. And that's, it's really hard. It's a very difficult thing to do. Right. Because articulation even isn't step number one. Articulation is the tip of the iceberg. And it's, it is the expression of this mass of things underwater that you perceive and know. And articulating is about how you tie everything together and present it above the surface. Yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, take, take member mouse. It is a, it's a fantastic uh, product service. There's, there are, there are tons of features. It's enterprise class. There are so many amazing things about a member mouse and you have to sort of choose, right? What do we want to communicate? What, how do we right. want to lead off? And you, you only have one, you know, uh, one page, one screen load when somebody visits membermouse.com to, to capture their interest and to communicate the right things, even when you have a very complex and robust product or service. So, um, you know, I think that this topic is extraordinarily valuable. I would encourage everyone to really listen because we're going to be going through some things that can really truly multiply your business. Uh, we're talking about, you know, growing a business from nothing into hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And, and these are the things that will move the dial. Yeah, and I love how so naturally you can do that articulation. Like what you just said was like, oh, great. Like we don't have to worry about writing any of the copy for this episode <laughs> and promoting it because you just naturally encapsulate it in, in such a compelling way. One thing I've known about you and knowing you for 10 years probably has some hand in in your journey and what you've come is that I would describe you as a tinkerer. Yeah. 
you mentioned you do business and stuff, but you know, every time I meet up with you, you're doing something, you, you know, one time you were working on the Arduino board, you know, that portable motherboard processor, and yeah. you're also a talented musician and you were getting into Khan Academy and studying physics and all sorts of stuff. And, um, you just seem to have a naturally curious mind about the world and breaking things down. And I wonder how that, how that feeds into. Yeah. Yeah. That's, do. that's a great question. I am actually a Myers-Briggs INTP and INTPs are, are sort of introverted, intuitive thinkers that perceive the world. And INTPs are known as very logical and we are tinkerers. We end up being programmers, engineers, things like that. And I'm not naturally an extroverted person. I don't sustain my life through extroversion. I, I sustain it through sort of internal worlds of, of playing with code and, and playing with the intricacies of music. And, and really, my desire to, to build businesses, right, to, to, to generate an income for myself and my family and to bring cool products into the world led me into tinkering with with copy and messaging right so from from just my natural inclination to toy with things i thought you know there's a lot of things that can be tested quickly on the internet you can test ads you can test different headlines you can test uh different value props you can test pricing it's sort of a it's a it's a it's a fertile ground for somebody who likes to tinker the internet is is great for that because you can fail so cheaply um, but yeah <laughs> certainly i mean Tinkering is really important. I find, uh, you know, I think that having a scientific mindset and, and, and bringing something, bringing a marketing message in, into, onto the internet can be done quickly. And you, you shouldn't spend a heck of a lot of time trying to build a business uh, before you validated it at some point with just some quick rapid prototypes. Right. And, and tinkering also takes, uh, discipline and persistence, the level at which you dive deeply into it, I think it directly influences the amount that you get out of it. Yeah, that's, I learned that from Eugene Schwartz. He's a famous old school uh, direct response copywriter. And his message was, if you're a salesperson and you're, you're a copywriter, your number one job is to get under the hood and inspect the entire car front to back and you need to be the world's leading expert on the product or service that you're selling um, that is your job as a marketer that is your job as a salesperson it's to know the intricacies and bring all of that to to force when you're crafting a value proposition imagine if you just took a cursory overview of a product and then tried to sell it you could be missing enormous parts of the picture um, so you know, we can get into short copy versus long copy, but I will say up front that I am a big fan of long copy. I've sort of started to tone down a little bit and move towards medium copy with more strategic use of imagery and video. But for the most part, if you, if you have something that you're trying to sell, long copy will generally outperform. And that is because if you're selling something of value, and you have the right person in, in front of you reading your website, they will pay attention. They will read all of the words. And if they don't read all of the words, you know, at the least, they will think this is very complete. 
This looks robust. This looks solid. And they'll take the dive. You were saying how if people just have a cursory understanding of something, you can't properly market it. And um, tying this to back when I asked you to start working on Memory Mouse and help me out, my issue was that it wasn't that I had a cursory understanding of Member Mouse. I absolutely knew Member Mouse in depth to the deepest depths. But the thing is, the perspective of what I knew about Member Mouse, the technology, the features, mm-hmm. I was missing something that wasn't yes. allowing it to sell. Now, you you ultimately worked with us for three years. You helped the company grow sales you know, 10x. And I, I know you used the landing page as your primary strategy for doing that. And I, I, I want to ask this question to help put in context, put in perspective the role that the landing page plays yeah. in growth. So if you can just talk about how you, when you came on, how you approached it. Sure. There's a lot of variables at play. When you're building a business, you have a product, you have tons of different channels you can try to get attention from, you have a price point. And you have your your communication, your marketing, your sales language, your imagery. You have all of these different variables. And when I first uh, partnered up with you, Eric, the Member Mouse site sort of had features in different areas. You could click around and see different things. There were many different pages. And the issue with that is if you look at click-through rates and you look at any given click-through to, do, to a different page, it's it's pretty low. You know, we're talking one to five percent maybe. If you have a multi-page site and you're trying to craft a sales message, if you don't have all of that sales information sort of in a linear pitch, you run the risk of losing somebody. And that is very, very, very dangerous. So the first thing I did was I said, all right, we're gonna build a long form single page sales presentation of all the value of member mouse because I know if I get somebody on that page who is remotely interested in a membership plugin they they're going to they're going to at least be able to find all the information that they want and they're going to be able to to experience the the sales message that I want and it's in my control if it's broken out over multiple pages it significantly increases the risk that you will lose them or they won't see something that's compelling so the first thing I, I did was I said consolidate everything into one page And then I said, what are the channels that are going to drive growth in this company? And the predominant channel in my mind that I knew we could control was Google AdWords. I said, now I need to build an experience that will work with traffic from Google AdWords. Because what is really, really critical is the channel. So when I I thought, okay, how are we going to grow Member Mouse? I thought, you know, content marketing can be great, and I think it's valuable, and I think it's worthwhile, uh, and I would encourage everyone to have a great content marketing strategy, but you're still sort of at the whim of Google, and it takes a long time to see results, and I wanted to grow Member Mouse quickly, so I thought that the absolute right channel is Google AdWords. So the landing page, as a central focus, was built around the channel of Google AdWords. It was built around if someone types in membership plugin, WordPress membership plugin, or something related to that, when they landed on membermouse.com, I wanted that traffic to convert. I wanted that person to say, you know what, this is the most compelling membership plugin on the market, and I wanted them to sign up. 
the interplay between your channel and your marketing is critical. You cannot think of a landing page in isolation. If you think about a landing page in isolation, you are doing yourself a tremendous disservice. So given the importance that you place on it, and it makes complete sense. I mean, to me, what, while you're talking about it, to help it ground for me, every time I hear you say channels, I just think about an individual. Because when I did sales calls with people, I would talk to the individual. I would understand who they are before I started speaking to them. Because the, the, the pitch is different based on my understanding of who the person is, where they're coming from, what their journey is. Yes. And that's how I help myself really resonate with everything you're saying and not just lose it because I don't necessarily have used the word channels before. Right. But given the importance of channels, what are some guidance that you would offer to kind of help? Yeah, I think it's really important to look at analogs and products, services, and companies that you admire and that are doing really, really well. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I got was from Mark Ford, who he's a, he's a major partner in Agora and very, very, very successful direct response marketer. And he said to me, he said, every business has a customer acquisition secret. And I always thought that was intriguing, right? It, it's sort of, there's a little bit of mystery to it. There's a little, there's something that gets your attention. Every business has a customer acquisition secret. And what, what he's saying, right, is that there's generally going to be sort of one thing that just really works in acquiring customers. And you have to figure out what that is. And you want to you know what your competitors are doing and what businesses you admire are doing. And you need to figure that out. And a lot of that is channel research. It's channel research, and then it's, and then it's the hooks, right? What are the hooks that are working? In those channels and thinking about those two things and doing that kind of research can pay off enormously if you think about what's happening on Instagram that channel the channel of Instagram is built around photos and photography and, and short snippets of video and when I look at the apps right that have a lot of downloads and I look at these clothing manufacturers that are sort of doing well they're, they're, they're building their entire sales process around Instagram so that when you, when you click learn more from Instagram and you, you ultimately end up on the seller's website, that landing page almost mimics the feel of Instagram oftentimes. There's sort of a developing standard, if you will, for products being sold from Instagram. And it's important to understand those trends because if you if you build a landing page and you, and you and you're not considering the entire customer journey from a channel to the landing page, there's going to be a lot of drop off, and that drop off is where you lose people. There's a great book called Traction that uh, you know is is sort of the beginner's guide to thinking about channels. One of the things that I sort of disagree with in the book is that they say, well, treat all your channels equally and go out there and just test them all and see what works. And that's a very sort of agnostic opinion. And, and it, it, makes, it makes a lot of 
it makes a lot of sense. I can see why they say that. But in practice, what I've found is that there will be one or two channels that just really work well. And in fact, most successful businesses are only built on one channel. Now think about that for a second, right? Most successful businesses, we're talking seven, eight figure, are in general built using one channel. So that means that you can do everything. You can do content marketing, you do paid advertising, you can go to events, you can do press, you can do on and on and on. But only one of them is really going to move the dial. And it's important to think long and hard about your product, about analog products and analog businesses, your competitors, and really look at the channels that they're using to grow. And then you have to build your landing page around that channel. And the synergies that happen can be, uh, can be incredibly powerful. I know that when I was scaling up my, um, uh, uh, my, my, my dating business, we were using ads on, uh, on Pandora. And we were spending upwards of 100000 a month on Pandora. And that channel was just crushing it for us. It was working so, so, so well. There was tons of impressions that we could get. We were getting uh, lots of, it was just driving tons of traffic. And that was one channel that was working well. Another channel that, that was working well for us was, was, was the logout pages on dating sites. When somebody's done using a dating site and they click logout, that was real estate that the dating sites weren't really monetizing. And we said, Dad, just let us put, put a video here. Let's throw up some banners. And that was a channel that was, was really, really working very well for us. And we had those two channels going at the same time. And it was driving you know, millions and millions of dollars of sales. Are, some, are there some tools that you use for doing channel research? You know, that's a great question. Um, I don't have any specific tools other than Google and sending emails, talking to people, and paying close attention. There, it's just it's it's just a lot of research and uh, just dogged research, really going out there and sleuthing. Right, but you also have to be able to identify. You have to be able to identify what channel is being used in a situation. Are there? How do you know? Yep. So so there are some tools that track media impressions, and media impressions whether they be banner ads or television commercials or radio ads, you can subscribe to some of those services. And some of those are very helpful in analyzing the media mix of a particular company. But I don't, I've never found them. I've never discovered something amazing that was a game changer. It really requires intuition and logic and careful consideration of where those customers might be how easy it is to reach them and if your product or service has or a similar product has been sold through those channels in the past and there's also an interesting interplay between price and channel right so if you're selling uh, a twenty thousand dollar coaching program a mastermind or something like that it might be a little bit more difficult to sell that 
using a channel such as Google AdWords. That doesn't right. You need a much warmer. Yeah, end. exactly. That doesn't feel right. You can you can you can feel it. You can feel that there's some sort of friction between that idea of somebody going to Google, typing something in, clicking on an ad, and then purchasing a twenty thousand dollar coaching um, program. However, those high end mastermind programs are sold all the time at events. Events, right? All all day long. Maybe I mean twenty thousand is maybe sort of, of a high price for an example. Call it five or ten thousand dollars. That happens all the time, all day. Right now, those are being pitched through um, events, and that is something to consider because if you're selling a twenty thousand dollar coaching program, and your your channel that you've decided on is SEO. There's a bit of an impedance mismatch there. You're, you're going to need to think about how your business model and your channel relate. And also, like think about Walmart. You don't go to Walmart to buy expensive goods and services, right? Walmart is clearly a discount retailer. And if you are if you are a premium product and you spend all your time trying to get into Walmart, it's 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 not going to work, right? So you have to consider your product and your channel. And once you've you've found this the sweet spot between the price point, what is commonly sold through a, a channel, and sort of the nature of the product itself. And that has taken me 20 years to learn that that is really where businesses are made or they fail. It's understanding those variables and those dynamics. Right. Like you, like the quote you said, there is a secret and secrets aren't things that are protected unless they're valuable. So obviously yes. where people, what channels people are using, a lot of effort went into that. Yes. Um, yep. But would you say a good rule of thumb uh, is basically taking a logical exercise in terms of identifying the channel and just visualize that person, a person, a, uh, an avatar, customer avatar going through the cycle of buying your product because Google, um, although kind of an ethereal thing is much like Walmart. You walk in the door and what are people walking through that door to purchase? Yes. Yep. And a SaaS product certainly falls into that. A lot of things fall into that category. Like people use Google to buy all sorts of things. Um, so would that be a good rule of thumb to, to kind of test litmus test your choice of a channel? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would go so far as to say, if you're building a business, you should pick your channel first <laughs> rather than your product or service. Uh, that's a little facetious maybe, but what I'm trying to clarify, right, is that you need to be an excellent operator in a channel. If you're going to build a business, be great at AdWords, or be great at Facebook advertising, or be great at LinkedIn, or be great at working with Walmart, or be great with working with Pandora or Spotify, or be great at figuring out the App Store, or be great at radio, or be great at television, right? There are many channels out there, and they're changing all the time. The landscapes change. New channels come along. Um, be great at banner advertising, right? Banners come and go in terms of popularity and there's, there's, there are many channels out there, but you have to have 
a grounding in at least one or two of them that are scalable. Because if you don't, if you're just building a product and you don't, you can't, you don't really know the intricacies of a channel, you're never going to grow your business. Uh, if you think about SEO, right, in the early days of the web, there were m many, many millionaires made who sort of could understand SEO because it was very simple back then. The signals were, you know, how many links you had, inbound links. Make sure your anchor text is on point, right? That was sort of the game. You know, get some high-ranking EDU sites to link to you. And, and, and to an extent, those things still exist today. But there are many more factors. Google's a bit harder to game. It's more difficult. But the operators who are really great at that, the programmers who said, I really understand. I remember Webmaster World. I used to read Webmaster World when I was in college, in high school and college. And I'm just reading these forums, all the technical details of, you know, how do you optimize your H1s and your H3s and how many, you know, your keyword density and all of that. And, and it was those people who understood SEO as a channel who then went and said, well, what can I sell through this channel? They were the ones that made a ton of money. And that, that approach to being successful still exists today and will always exist, but it's a very channel centric strategy. And, and I know this call is about landing pages, but in order for your landing page to be successful, it is determinant upon the channel that you're, that you are working in. Right. It's like, if you're going to build a brick and mortar business, if you build it in the desert, there's no channels to your door. Right. So you could have the most luxurious exactly. facility with the best stuff. That's a perfect example. So, there also seems like there is endless depth to what you can do in terms of figuring out your channels. But it also sounds like if you just start somewhere relatively good, you'll get the juice that you need yep. to propel you. Um, and then, of course, you can endlessly yep. attempt to optimize that and get to the seven figures, the eight figures. But, you know, if if I'm a beginner and I don't have everything that I need you know, maybe just keeping in mind that, okay, I need to make sure that I'm thinking about this. Make sure that I don't just silo myself off right. and think about my product. Make sure that I know from day one right. who I'm selling this to, because that can also, if you're building a SaaS product, it can also inform your design, Yes, you know, of who you're building yes, it for. Absolutely. You just mentioned something that's extraordinarily important. Your product should be designed to suit the channel and the needs of the channel, right? Which is a, a sort of a radical idea. Amazon's a great example. Amazon is a massive channel, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, right? There's more retail goods sold through Amazon than anywhere else, period. When you are a manufacturer or a vendor, you're selling product on Amazon, you're thinking about things like, how can I make the packaging as small and as condensed as possible because it keeps the shipping costs down and it keeps the warehousing costs down, which allows you to compete in the channel known as Amazon. So the best Amazon sellers are designing their product and their packaging to be lightweight and small and as cost effective as possible because it allows them to compete in that channel. And you can go out there on Amazon site and you can sort of read the guides about how to design your product and how to make it most effective for Amazon. And that is a, a direct lesson from 
one of the biggest sales channels in the world. Design your product to suit a channel. It's critical. So let's assume, okay, that we get the channel portion correct. We've chosen an appropriate channel. We're driving traffic from the channel. Now people land on the landing page. How do you approach it? <laughs> it's, it is an art and a science. And I think we can go back to breakthrough advertising and Gene Schwartz. And what he says in, in that book is he says, there are desires in the world that humans have that have always been around. We have, we have basic desires. We want to be loved. We want to be adored. We want to be secure. We want to provide income for ourselves. We want to be safe. We want stylish things. There, there are sort of the base human desires um, that don't go away. And we want things to be easy, right? Ideally, they're fun. So you work from a level of desire and say, I have this product, and what are the, what are the main desires that somebody is going to have who is searching for a product like this? And then you get to start there, and then you get to say, well, what are the features of my product that most connect with existing desire? And that's critical, right? You are... The zeitgeist is what you're selling into. You're not trying to push your product on somebody. That's a mistake. You're not pushing your product on somebody. What you're doing is you're connecting your product to their existing desire. Right. You know, it's like that Monty Python sketch with the cheese shop where he walks in and <laughs> he goes through like 20 cheeses and he doesn't have any cheese. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's important to do a ton of of customer research. I'm a huge fan of interviewing people in the market. Like what is a market, right? Uh, a market, we use the word all the time, marketing. Right? What does marketing mean? What does the word marketing actually mean, right? A market is defined by people that all have the same set of needs, right? People that are in the market for a car, they need transportation. That's how a market is defined. It's defined by a need. So you have to you have to think, well, what's the biggest need? Right? You have your product, but you can talk all all day about it. I could say, I could say, Eric, I have this guitar, right? It's it's beautiful. It has this beautiful finish. It has these amazing pickups and these tuners are, are just they're so shiny and smooth and but you play piano. Right, so you're you're. I could talk all day about it, and you're going to say, "Dan, I don't care. Like it's nice, great, but I don't want it. Go away. You're annoying me, right?" And because uh, we're not connecting to your need, and that is sort of other than channel, that is sort of the next biggest thing. It's it's making sure that you're connecting with a real need. Right. I remember when you were working uh, with me, you talked a lot about problem solution marketing. Is this the same thing or is this, is this a, a variation? It is, it is, it is. You know, I use problem and desire almost interchangeably. They're not quite the same thing, but I think desire is a little bit more emotional. A problem, you know, you might have, you know, you have a flat tire. You need a new, you need a new tire. That's just a problem. You might be a little frustrated about it. Well, actually, I mean, sure, you can take frustration and say, well, when selling tires, you want to make it fun, right? Like, 
I think fun and easy are, are appealing when you're shopping for tires because it's sort of a mundane task. Problems may lead to desire. Exactly, exactly. You have a problem. There will be some natural desires around it. But um, yeah, exactly. Problem solution marketing. It's it's all it's 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 sort of basic marketing one hundred and one. But the issue, right? A lot of people will sort of understand that. But where where they fail is that they don't articulate their solution in a way that connects to the problem in a visceral and immediate way. You know, it's easy to say, well, you know, everybody wants, everyone wants, who's building a membership site, they want it to be easy, right? And you can say, well, yeah, of course. I mean, nobody wants to sit around and have a hard time putting together a website. I mean, that's that's frustrating. You know that can be that can be endlessly frustrating, but just because you know that doesn't mean you're articulating it well on your landing page. And there's also a huge mistake people make where when you're a subject matter expert, you keep everything in your own head, and you know certain things about the subject that you, as an expert, they're obvious to you. Well, of course, of course, it's a it's a WordPress plugin, and this is how you install it, right? And you just think, well, everybody knows that, and but not everybody does, and you have to really assume zero knowledge or next to zero knowledge in a lot of cases, and you have to make sure that when you're articulating things on your landing page, that you don't you don't come from the perspective of an expert where, because you leave things out. I see landing pages all the time where somebody who's good at something like a lawyer, they say, you know, we're, we're the best patent attorneys around, you know, call us. And what do they leave out? Well, what are the steps? Do I have to have a drawing before I talk to you? Do I need, do I need paperwork before we, you know, what do we, what do we do here? How does this work? And because you're a lawyer, you've done it a thousand times, you know what the process is, but you just on your website, you say, well, you know, we're the best around. You're just falling so short in communicating to a beginner. So you really have to take the perspective of being in a vacuum and, and saying, you know, uh, if, I do, if I didn't know anything about this, am I communicating all of the information necessary? Right. Which are the fundamentals of teaching. Yeah. Right. You you need to be a teacher at that in that sense. Like, don't assume knowledge. Right. If you're teaching, you know, yes, uh, algebra. Don't assume that people know what a variable is and start from day one talking about variables. Exactly, and that's one of the questions I always ask myself after writing copy. I say, did I leave anything out? Am I leaving something out? I'm always terrified of leaving something out because that little piece of knowledge might be critical for somebody to understand something about how to proceed, how to sign up, how the product is going to work. And also, you know, it, design plays a really critical component too, because the words you use are, are extraordinarily important and you have to make sure that you're, that you're, you're using, you're talking about the correct topic, but you also have to back it up with really great design too. And your imagery has to really support what it is you're saying. If you think about it, right? Imagine if you 
Oh, I mean, sometimes I see this on on blogs that are a little bit lazy or news sites that are a little bit lazy. They'll have an article and then they'll have a stock photo that's sort of irrelevant, right? And what is how does it make you feel when you're reading an article and you can tell that the photography is sort of just thrown in there as a as a placeholder. They're just they're just trying to get by. Immediately the credibility you know drops and I think ah this is just and perceived value. Yeah, the perceived value drops significantly. So investing in custom photography, get a, getting a really good camera, getting a really good photographer or putting together videos. I mean at a minimum, the videos are hard, but at a minimum, get really great photography, right? That's you can do. Yeah, people can do this, and and really make sure that you are supporting your messaging with with the right images. I mean, the right image, especially if we're talking something like Amazon product shots. I mean, they're critical. People make their entire purchase decision almost from. The product shots again, which is about understanding your channel exactly uh, what yeah. they value, and in Amazon, obviously, primary among them is um, product shots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, in all this, what you're talking about uh, to me, it sounds like you're a huge proponent of preparation. Yes. Figure out and make sure something is going to be successful before you act, yep. etc. Now, I don't do that. I do not. <laughs> resonate with preparation my personality is to is to in some ways uh sink or swim yep you know leap um and trust which has pros and cons yeah i mean i think i getting out there and trying there's nothing more valuable than than that getting out there and trying you have to dive in and everyone is afraid to fail Right, we don't set up the Google AdWords account because we think I'll do it tomorrow, or I'll do it next week, or I'll do it when I get funding, or I'll do it. No, like do it. And I there's there's a lot to be said about that. Um, but you know what? If you fail, you know what that means? It means you're learning. And I don't want to get too much into you know. I think most people are familiar with psychology, but there is a great book I just read called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I think he's a really great writer. Um, I think his stuff is very practical. And The Obstacle is the Way is really sort of the stoic philosophy about taking what is an obstacle or, or a failure or a setback and, and not looking at, looking at it as a, as a failure or a setback, but looking at it as a launch pad for something greater. You know, if you go out there and you try your Google ads and you're running them to a landing page and it fails, you have to, you have to look at it as well. How can I turn this, this failure into an advantage? And really it's learning and saying, well, either this channel isn't right or this product price point isn't right, but it's just a step along the way. So I think where we've come to at this point is basically we've unpacked simple sentence that you mentioned in the beginning, which is, it's all about articulation, right? You know, because basically, what is articulation? Articulation is the landing page. You are articulating something, but what are you articulating? You're articulating your understanding of who is on the page, what channel they came from, what market they're a part of, your understanding of what problems they have, what desires they have, your understanding of how your product addresses those desires and problems. And 
your understanding of how to communicate that in the most effective way possible through words and design so that it is efficiently absorbed by the person. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know, Brian Tracy said that, you know, you can make your own personal fortune simply by helping other people get what they need. And I think that that is a good frame when you're thinking about your copy. Um, there's a great book called The Brain Audit that I also recommend. The Brain Audit gets you in the perspective of the customer who has the problem. Um, Dan Kennedy has a great book. Um, I think it's I think it's called Problem Problem Solution Selling, something along those lines. But again, sort of gets you in that space. Um, but you have to sort of do it with style. You have to sort of do it with some panache. You have to do it with with some energy and some confidence. And as uh, the more experienced you are as a marketer, the more you 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 know what to hold back on. You know, you know, it's a, a common mistake people make with copywriting is they try to s sell too hard, and they're so desperate to make the sale. And when you see, when you read really desperate sales copy, it's just going to turn people off. Right. Imagine you're reading a dating profile. Like, right, would you date this right. person? I, I am desperate. I just will take anybody that will go on a date with me. Just please, <laughs> you know, this is not going to work. Um, Gary Bensavenga um, gives an example in one of his courses where he says, get rich quick or get rich slowly. I'm sort of paraphrasing. It's pretty close to that. But get rich slowly outperformed. And outperform because there's more credibility, there's more believability. So there's also more of a foundation. Uh, it makes me think of that uh, the jungle episode in uh, BBC Nature series, where a tree dies in the jungle, and then all the small plants start competing for the sunlight and growing. But ultimately, it's the hardwood, the long the the tree that takes the longest to grow and builds up its foundation and takes a long time that ultimately recaptures that space. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that was something, you know, with Member Mouse, you dedicated a lot of time to building an enterprise class business. And those roots are so strong that the business is, is very stable. And uh, it's a great foundation. And, and I think that the same thing applies to your marketing. You have to think sustainable. You have to think long term. You have to think, is my marketing going to burn people out? Or is am I am I being am I being sort of um, sustainable in my messaging. Right. But also don't forget, don't forget about the art. You know, we've talked, I think we've talked a lot about the science, but the thing is for somebody at your level of experience, art and science become more and more closely blended to each other, yep. which I think is, you know, why I, in my mind have to keep bringing it up for myself. You know, you can dive deep when you say things, when you say one thing, that's that's supported by many experiences yep. that that tell you so much about how you're articulating that. But for me, I don't have that experience, so I have to try and help myself understand in another way. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to make a statement. I think that in the beginning, when you don't have experience to fall back on, you leaning on the art is a good approach to do because, and for me, what art is is personal expression. Yeah. If you stick to what you know and your authenticity and what you have to say and 
imagine you're talking to a person, you know, then that can cover a lot of bases. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I actually, I rely a lot more on that now. I rely a lot on my intuition a lot more when I'm writing copy and sort of ginning up marketing than crazy split testing because I've realized that as long as you are treating people with respect, you're, you're showing them a good time. You can't bore people, right? So if you bore people, you're, you're, no one's going to buy your stuff. I mean, not at least in consumer markets, maybe B2B is fine, but in consumer markets, you don't want to be boring. You don't want to put people to sleep. I mean, a lot of times it comes down to identity, right? People buy products and services in, in many cases because they're buying into an identity. Cars are a great example. You know, people who buy Volvos, right, they might identify as sort of practical, safety-minded people. They're very different than people that buy Ferraris. You know, so there are different mindsets out there. You know, I, I think I've been having a lot of fun with Myers-Briggs lately. And, you know, people can criticize it and say, well, it's, it's just... It's just a modern version of astrology, but there are some really fascinating things about different personality types that Myers-Briggs, you know, uh, uh, reflects on and different personalities are attracted to different products. And it's important to realize that, that the people are very different. Our minds are very different. They're constructed over time from from vastly different experiences. Sure, we, we share some cultural experiences and geographic experiences, things like that, but the nuances are, are, are extraordinary. And it's worth thinking about personality types in your marketing and how to appeal to them. Because if you're selling a product that is, let's say you're selling a machine learning platform, right? Well, naturally you're going to be talking to data nerds. And you need to look at other products that are marketed towards data nerds. And you have to think about how do I appeal to a data nerd? Am I going to use a lot of charts and graphs and, and facts and figures? That stuff is going to help tremendously. Um, you know, if you're selling something that is, um, you know, more towards, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just important to think about the overall personality. It's important to generalize a little bit. When, when you're thinking about your product and your service and, and try to try to find one person, right, and talk to them and, and say, does this appeal to you? I, I, I love to test with one person sitting in front of me and saying, do you like this? Do you not like that? And I will literally go and make changes based upon what they say. I find that feedback is just so important. Now, where do you stand on um, customer avatars? Because yeah. to me, this is a further drilling down of the channel, right? You have yeah. a, a broad pipe channel that's coming to your site, but then within that channel, the, there may be X number of different customer yep. avatars. Do you advocate having landing pages separate for different avatars or, or is that too much? Well, I think that you certainly want to consider them. You, I, I, really, I go through the exercise every time. Building customer avatars is extraordinarily useful. It's, it's difficult to say, 
well, we built these avatars and it resulted in millions of dollars in sales. That's, you know, it's tough to draw that, that line of uh, causation. However, the exercise will put you in the right headspace from which you can develop more effective marketing. And that, that is helpful. And again, the Brainot is a great resource for this. There's a lot out there. I think, you know, you can look at personality types as a way to do it. But for me, I, I really like to talk to people and I like to call you know, five or 10 people and really get their feedback. And then I make changes based upon that. And from there, I sort of build a profile of, well, I talked to five or 10 people about this product or service. The ones that are interested are all of this nature. They all seem to work in these jobs. You base the questions that you'll ask them? Oh, certainly. I, I, I always ask, um, how appealing is this to you on a scale of one to 10? And if it's a landing page and they say, well, it's a seven, right? Most people are going to say somewhere between five and nine, you know, or seven and nine. They'll, they'll, they'll be polite. And they'll say, well, you know, it's a six or seven, which is fine. Who cares, right? They're just sort of being. And, but then I ask a follow-up question. I say, all right, well, what would it take to get this from a seven to a 10? And now they're going to give you the goal. They're going to say, well, you know, I really don't like this. I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I wish it had that. And now you have the gold, which you can go and rework your landing page with. And the other thing you can do is net promoter score, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to refer uh, us to a friend? You know, net promoter score is sort of great and you can benchmark it against other products and services in your industry. So those are the, those are my two go-tos. Cool. I really appreciate your time coming on and, and sharing um, your experience, your, your insights, your perspective, super helpful. And so last thing, um, where would be a good place for people to learn more about you to get in contact with you? Yeah, well, I have a consulting company called Dark Pilot, D-A-R-K-P-I-L-O-T, Dark Pilot. And at Dark Pilot, what we do is we do landing page optimization, typically for startups and growing SaaS companies. And at Dark Pilot, we sort of take all of, all of the, the years of experience. My, my business partner is a designer. She's worked on brands uh, such as Bloomberg.com, uh, Justin Timberlake, Yipit, some, some very big uh, brands. And I've built a lot of companies into seven figures and we sort of combine design with direct response principles. We, we do all the things that we've been talking about in this episode. We, we, we do what's called strategic landing page design. And that is to say that everything is very, 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 very carefully considered. The price point is a bit high for, for some people it's 35 grand. But for a startup that's funded or they have a Series A or a SaaS business that's doing several million dollars a year, 35K is, is it's just peanuts for a really strategic homepage. So it sort of depends where your business is on the spectrum. But you can get a hold of me at darkpilot.com. My email address is dan at darkpilot.com. Be happy to talk about landing pages. Uh, if you're interested, sometimes I'll do a quick critique. Um, tear, tear apart a landing page and see what can be improved. So happy to do that for listeners of the podcast. 
and I would just encourage everyone to, uh, to, to, to really think carefully about what it is that they're trying to say and because words matter. I'm going to leave you with one, one final tidbit, which some people may have heard. It comes from the copywriter Gary Halbert. He says, you can, you can get two pieces of paper and two envelopes and one of them you can say, dear mom, I just want to thank you for being a great mother. You've been so instrumental in helping me develop as a person. You've always been there for me. I, I owe everything to you. And I just wanted to write you and let you know how important you are to me. And I hope to see you soon. And you can put the address on there, put the stamp on there. And then you can take another letter, another piece of paper. And you can say, dear mom, I just wanted to write and tell you that I never want to see you again. I think that you are a terrible person. And um, this, is, this is my final send-off. And please don't ever contact me. Now, the medium is the same. The letters, the paper is the same. The pen is the same. The envelope, envelopes are the same. The stamps are the same. And they're going through the mail, which is the channel, right? So, but they will have vastly different response rates. And the, the message, the, the, the takeaway is that really spend time thinking about the words you use and ask yourself, am I saying the most optimal thing throughout every single word and sentence of your homepage? And if you do that, I can promise you that um, you'll be on your way to a better landing page. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, uh, I'm looking at your darkpilot.com site right now. Really amazing site, of course. Um, and um, I do have a question sure. about a choice that you made on this. So we have a nav at the top, but you choose to scroll to a section as opposed to going to a separate page. And I'm guessing you did that deliberately. And I'm wondering what the reason is. Yeah, I, I find that... I, again, I like to keep people on one page. I don't like them to get lost. I, I like to manage the. It's it's like it's like inflatable um, uh, bumpers at a bowling alley. Right. I like to keep people going down the lane, and I find that it's risky when people click away. I want people to um, to consume my sales message in a very linear way. Um, and I've always found that to be the most, most effective for me. So, um, you know, keeping people in the lane, that's the goal. And, and I, I don't think 35 K is a lot to ask. I mean, I know for, for member mouse alone, we spent, you know, close to $80,000 over the time we've been in business on web page website design. Now, a lot of that was because we didn't get it right the first time. Yeah. Right. So uh, and not to mention opportunity costs for having it wrong for yeah. a certain period of time. It's just the same with, you know, when we talk to have a sales conversation with potential customers and member mouse, you know, making the right decision with your platform now, investing in the right tools. It's not really about the upfront cost because the savings that you get and the additional profit that you get from making the right choices. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I really appreciate the kind words. You know, some some of the businesses we work with, they they go on to raise Series A, they go on to you know uh, really double or triple their revenue, 
Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, it depends where you're at. 35K could be a lot of money for somebody that's just starting out, or it could be a drop in the bucket to a more established business. Um, but in, in the context of, you know, you could go to 99designs and get a landing page done for 1500 bucks, but it will be vastly, vastly different than a, a well-crafted where every single word has been thought through and the value prop has been thought through and it's been, it's really strategic. So, you know, it's, 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 it's for a certain, a certain business. And uh, we love working with companies that are, that have, you know, cool stuff to sell and startups and then. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. So just like this podcast, uh, it's great talking to you, Eric. I'm so proud of Member Mouse. Um, you guys are just, you're doing a great job. And I'm really happy to see the continued success of the business. I appreciate it, Dan. And thanks again for coming on. All right. Talk to you soon. A big thank you to Dan for joining us on the podcast today. If you're interested in learning more about Dan, you can visit his site at darkpilot.com. Be sure to check out the special bonus video in the show notes where Dan breaks down the landing page of monday.com. You'll find this in the show notes at subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 109. There you'll also find a list of Dan's recommended resources and links to videos from the Member Mouse Academy where Dan does site walkthroughs and makes recommendations for increasing conversions and retention. For more interviews with successful entrepreneurs, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. In our next episode, we'll be speaking with Kyle Weger, a yoga teacher who has built two profitable membership sites over the past five years. Kyle shares the ups and downs from his pursuit for financial freedom, high-level strategies you can use to scale your business, and a Facebook ad strategy so good, you might have to steal it. So stay tuned and thanks for listening.